do. So um, thank you. We're going to have an opportunity to hear Pastor Jonathan this morning. And welcome, Jonathan. Excited to hear what you have to bring. All right. Thank you so much. Don't we love Elaine? Yeah. Isn't it great to hear from her. <laughs> All right. Well, good morning. Yeah, if I haven't met you, I'm Jonathan. And it's good to be here. And good to have some people uh, back that are just getting back to town. They've been gone for the last several weeks. And I'm, yeah, I just want to say I'm so proud of our community this past week. Our 10 days of prayer has just been such an encouraging turnout every night, really. And uh, it was funny, the one smaller night was the one at our house. So I don't know what that means, <laughs> but it's been, been really great. And, and also the his, um, our partnership with, with his and helping international students, uh, our friend Katie, who works in the, his office, told me a couple days ago that Bluemont, we've just responded so well. In our, in our church, we've had, I think it was between seven and 10 people sign up to be friends to international students this year, which has been a huge portion of the total people that have signed up in Manhattan. So kudos to you all. Way to be loving and serving. It is, it is really great. Um, oh, one little detail I just want to mention. We have started putting our offering basket on that table right there. So if you're looking, it's not going to be in the back. It's going to be over there after the service. Yeah, and it's actually been shifting around, so you may have to look for it. But that's where it is today, at least. Well, I'm uh, excited about today. We've been talking about the theme of being imagers and what it means to be made in the image of God, the unique place that, that human beings have that nothing else has. As God says, we were created in his image, male and female. He created us. And really, we're looking as we start the year, it's easy to think about, okay, what do I want to do? What do I, how do, what do I want to accomplish this year? What do I want to accomplish with my life? But the question we want to look at more is, after who is God, is what is the identity he's giving me? So it's less about what do I do, but more about who am I? Who has God made me to be? And as we receive and understand the identity he's given us, we then we'll do what he's made us to do. So, as Ryan said last week, do comes from who. And so we've been looking at different aspects of what it means to be an imager, an image bearer of God. This week, and I feel like, I just I really need your help. Pray for me. I'm, I just feel like this, this is a little tricky to comp to communicate today. But, um, so help me out. If, I, if it doesn't make sense, raise your hand or say something. But we're talking about the faculty God has given us to think freely. There, it's amazing when God made the first people, it said he made them in his image, and the first thing he did is he gave them this huge mission. He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and rule over it. And the idea was to take what God had made in the Garden of Eden and to spread God's ways, God's kingdom into all the earth. And so there's this huge mission, this huge vision, this incredible high calling. And then we have no other detailed instructions. It was kind of like, hey, yeah, we'll be friends and we'll keep talking, but you use your minds and your bodies and figure it out and do it. And that's impressive. That God has given us this ability with our minds to think freely and creatively and to, to live the life and the purpose he's called us to. Now, it's interesting that very shortly after that, well, let me just say this. We have good minds, but sometimes our minds get us in trouble, right? Anyone else besides, I mean, and sometimes we're just like confused. 
I was talking to my mom uh, about a week ago. So this was shortly after the, the riot in our US Capitol. And my mom, don't hold this against her, or maybe you'll love her more, depending on who you are, but she's a pretty big Donald Trump supporter. And so we were talking on the phone, and she said, it's a good thing I wasn't there that day at the, 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 the rally in Washington, DC. And I said, oh, I was a little surprised, because my mom wants to be in the thick of things. Like, I would think she would have wanted to be there. She said, I said, so why do, you, why do you say that? She said, well, you know, I have some friends who were there, and they were like in the very back praying for, for our country. But I would not have been there. I think I maybe would have got pulled in with the crowd that was running to the Capitol in the excitement of the moment and like, oh, it's our Capitol, yeah, let's go have fun. Like, I know that's not the right thing, but I think if I had been there, I easily could have been like some of you saw the, the state legislator from West Virginia, that was him. Like he just kind of got swept up in the moment like a lot of people and there were those that were planning and had weapons and it was you know, a planned deal, but there were a lot of people that found themselves doing things that if you had told them the day before, hey, tomorrow you're gonna be taking selfies in the Capitol while our senators and congressmen are hiding in secret locations for their lives, they would have been, no, I would never do that. But they, they got carried away, they got swept up into something they would have never done. And how many of us have been in that place, right? Proverbs says, don't go along with the crowd in doing evil. It's so easy to, to, go, to go along with the people around us and the environment around us and find ourselves doing things that we never would have done. And I'm not even like, that. yes, there's that. And then I find myself getting swept up with the crowd in my own brain and like finding myself in a place I didn't want to find myself in. It like, doesn't even take other people sometimes, but just like the stuff going on in here, I get, the free thinking gets so easily twisted. And that's what we see throughout human history, the very, since the very beginning when Adam and Eve, soon after they received this great commission, they encountered this, this serpent character who very intelligently seduced them with ideas that said, hey, no, this is, you know, God said this. God said, don't eat from that tree, but hey, but God doesn't really, you know, God's holding out on you. And there was this intelligent line of reasoning that caused them to use those brains that were, caught, that were intended to think freely for good, but there, were, there was an intelligent power that undermined their minds and led them to a different place. And the same reality is true today. There are intelligent entities who we can't see, who are warring with our minds and our culture to get us to places that really we think are bringing freedom. Adam and Eve thought like, oh, we'll be free. We'll be like God. But actually they became enslaved to the, the voice that they were listening to. And that's, that's so, so how it works for us as well. And so how do we, how do we think freely? Um, and I just want to like, before I go on, say we live at a point in time in our culture where this is more of a reality than it's ever been in our nation. Um, and even in human history, it's, it's fairly unique that we have such an ideology that whatever you think or feel, that's true. And to be true, to be authentic, you need to be true to your feelings and your desires. And that's, and I don't say this to be offensive, but just to kind of as an illustration, a case in point, we live in a culture that says that if I 
feel like I'm a woman and I desire to be a woman, then that's a good reality for me to live in. Now, if you just step back from that, you know, with compassion, not judgment, but okay, that's, that's what the powers that be in our culture say, that it's okay to ignore all the God-given indications of who I am, to have that superseded by what's going on in here, in my mind, my feelings, and my desires. Okay, if we can do that about that situation, about what's my gender, what about everything else? What about all the other stuff we believe and think and feel and desire that we so easily convince ourselves that it's good, but we're really not free. We're really enslaved to, to something else. The way to truth, the way to freedom is through truth. And truth is found in Jesus. John 8, got to grab some water here, or I won't be able to get my next word out. Voice is going on me real fast there. John 8, 31 and 32. 31, uh, 30 through 32. As Jesus was saying these things, and he believed in him. What was he saying? Jesus was, right before this, explaining to the people who he was and what he was going to do, that he was going to die and be raised again for the forgiveness of sins, and to reconcile people to God, and to bring God's kingdom into the world. That he was the Messiah. So as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set so true, freedom comes not from just going along with the thoughts and feelings and desires that are prevalent around us or that we feel the most strongly, but truth comes from Jesus and from lining ourselves up with who he is and his word. And so that's where truth. For me to, to experience freedom as a man, it comes from acknowledge I am a man. And then figure if I'm an Enneagram 1, which people say that I am, I'm not sure, but I believe them, then trying to be a five, I'm not going to find freedom right there. All right? Those of you who know the Enneagram. It's, you, it's lining up with truth is where we find freedom. And so, and it's interesting, he says, you are my disciples. A disciple is the most common word for a follower of Jesus in the Bible. But implied in disciple, it means a disciplined learner, and it's a process. It's, okay, I believe the truth of Jesus, but I'm still a disciple. I'm still learning. I'm continually coming into the truth more and more in my understanding and my life. So that's, that's what we're called to be. Um, there's a really cool example we're going to look at um, here in the book of Acts. And so this is the story of the early church of some people who got the truth and became free thinkers in the best way possible. And I mean, I and this is really valuable. I was going to say this earlier, but just, I, man, this day and age, this last year, I had such a hard time figuring out what end was up so many times. You know, there's so many difficult issues to navigate in our world. Is, well, do I wear a mask or do I not wear a mask? Is the coronavirus man-made or not? 
You know, what about politics? What about Black Lives Matters? There's so many different issues to navigate and figure out. And God has wisdom and insight for us in all of this stuff. But it takes us really looking to him and having this posture of a disciple that allows us to become free in our thinking and our actions. Y'all with me? All right. Okay, I see a lot of head nods. I want to ask for questions, but that probably would be a bad idea, so I'm not going to right now. We can talk later. Um, Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 1. We're going to read 12 verses here. Now when they, this is Paul and Silas, the, these leaders of the early church, they were going around the, the Roman Empire, bringing the message of Jesus, and starting new churches of these new disciples who had been gathered together. Now when they had passed through, um, and, and I figured out how to pronounce this, but it's too hard, so I'm going to skip it. That town... In Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ, or the Messiah. And so everywhere, or most places where Paul went into new cities, the first place he would go would be the synagogue of the Jews. And that made sense because the Jews had all the history of the prophets. They had the scriptures. They had a foundation of knowing who the one true God was. They, they knew that there was a Messiah who was supposed to be coming. And so they were, they were God's people at this point. The, you had to be connected to Israel to be part of God's people. And so they were the faithful followers of Yahweh. And so Paul would go to the synagogue and say, hey, yes, you're following God. Guess what? The Messiah has come, and it's Jesus, and he's lived and been crucified for our sins and been raised from the dead, and now we're called to follow him. And so he would start there, but then expand to the rest of the community, the rest of the, the city, the other ethnic groups, the other people groups. Um, so that's what he did here. And in verse 4, it says, Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Jews, and not a few of the leading women. So many listened, and a lot of them realized that, wow, what Paul's saying is true. The Messiah has come, and God sparked faith in their hearts, and they, they believed. They put their faith in Jesus as the fulfillment of, of what they'd previously been waiting for and understood. Now, I think it's really interesting it says, some of the Jews were persuaded and a great many of the Greeks. So it was a smaller portion of the Jewish people and more of the Greeks, the non-Jewish people. Wouldn't you think it'd be the other way around? Right? The Jews, like, they had all the background. They had all the teaching. They were God's people. They were prepared. But... And this was consistent in a lot of places as the gospel spread. But it was actually a minority of the Jewish people who believed. But it was more of the Greeks. And these were, you know, these were, they were, they were called God-fearers. They were non-Jewish people who had a respect of God. And they were coming around the synagogues and trying to learn about the one true God. Um, why do you think that is? Why were the Gentiles, why were the Greeks more likely to be persuaded? about Jesus. Well, 
I think because they were already in this practice of being learners, more so. They had already had to leave everything they were familiar with and adopt a whole new thing to follow Jesus. And so they didn't have as much to lose. But for a Jewish person to say, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus, they, they were stepping away from what all the religious authorities were saying. They were, had to, like, change their life. It was like, no, like, we've been following God like this, and it looks like this, and we got it kind of figured out. But this, here's this call, and to, to, to follow that would be to come into something very risky, very new, very different. And that's, for us, we often get stuck in not following God because it requires us leaving what we know. There is a price to be paid. There is risk involved. There is alienation from people that aren't going to like it. There are all sorts of pressures. There's just the familiarity. Like, yeah, I think this is kind of the way the world is. This is the way my world works. There's a lot of pressure. There's just natural impulses to stay there that keep us from really being free thinkers and coming into the truth. Um, so that's what, what happened here. Um, and it didn't just stop there. It wasn't just like, oh, okay, well, you can believe that. We're going to believe this. In verse 5, it says, but the, Jew, the Jews, and that really is speaking to the, the religious leaders, the authorities, and those under their influence, um, were jealous. So there's this competition, this threat. The Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, that's a good word, we should use that more, that's a good description of what happened in the capital not too long ago. The rabble, taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. Jason, so man, he took a stand. He like believed in this message of Jesus. It cost him something. Now like, there's this rabble against him and this crowd bringing him before the authorities. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason also has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. You know, I think... We have to understand that the message of Jesus being Messiah, the message of Jesus being king, is not something that equals just polite cultural Christianity. It's not just nice religion. But the message that Jesus is king is always a threat to the authorities. It's always a threat to the status quo. It's a threat to the religious. It was a threat to the religion, the religious status quo here, the Jewish believers. Wow, no, that totally, like, rocked their religious world. And it was a threat to the Roman Empire because Jesus is, is Lord. That means Caesar is not Lord. And that was the loyalty oath of the Roman Empire. Caesar is Lord. So they were saying, no, everything our whole culture is built upon and our religions are built upon, throw it out. Because there's another king. He's Jesus. And so 
man, it's tough to be a free thinker, really, because you're coming against the powers that be and the status quo. Um, so that's what happened, and that's what happens for us in our lives, too. In our personal lives, when we, if we're going to believe Jesus and as we follow Jesus, if we're comfortable in that place, we probably stop somewhere along the way. Because there's always a place of being a disciple, of learning, of growing, of having to live by faith, of having to trust God, of having to change. Because that's, what, that's how God leads us. Um, if we're stuck, we're not, we're not following him. People in, verse 8, the people and city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the, re- and the rest, they let them go. So they like, kind of let, let it blow over with some, some financial payment. Now listen to this. The brothers immediately, the brothers and sisters immediately, that's speaking of the believers, sent Paul and Silas away by night to the, the next city of Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Oh, they were different. What, how were they different? They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Wow. They were eager, they were open, and they also tested what was being said by the scriptures, by God's word. And they found that it was. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing, as well as men. So here we find people that were open, they were hungry, and they used their minds to check out what was being said and to measure it against God's word. And they found that it was, they believed. So I want to just look at, I think there are some things that these Bereans probably did that behoove us to practice. If we want to be free thinkers, if we want to live as the free thinkers that God has called us to be, to be truly free, not enslaved, but freely knowing the truth and learning and following it. These are some some ways to, to to be free thinkers. Um, so our starting point is that Jesus is the truth and that we're allowing our minds to be, to be shaped by him and changed by him. So to be a free thinker, the first thing we got to do is question our motives. we got to question our motives. Um, the thing keeping the Jews who didn't believe, that kept them from believing, wasn't reason or evidence or logic, but it was their motives. Really, they had something to lose by believing the truth. And that's true for us in so many things. As we're making different decisions and trying to figure out what's right, we got to be aware that, you know, I got some motives in here that are it's self-interest. I got, I got a lot of self-interest going on. And self-interest is always the enemy of the truth. Our self-interest keeps us from being open. We see this with our friends, right, and people we get into discussions with. Like, oh, man, you're so blind because you're stuck. Maybe it's you're just loyal to this political party or this ideology or this lifestyle. But whatever it is, that that loyalty, that self-interest, it blinds us. And so the first thing we got to do is question our own motives because our motives can keep us from from seeing the truth. The second thing we got to do is question our sources. Question the sources that we've been listening to and believing in. Ryan talked about this last week, about 
how the, the call to not defile ourselves from eating the same stuff that a lost world is eating. What are we listening to? What are we consuming? What are our sources of information? What are our sources of truth? What are our sources of entertainment? We need to, to question those. When, when Adam and Eve sinned and took the, te- the temptation, man, it says that they, 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 there was a source, there was a serpent who looked pretty appealing, and the fruit looked pretty appealing, but that serpent actually was not trustworthy. And there are lots of sources in the world today that masquerade in different things. Um, the reality is that everyone or everything not living yielded to Christ is, trying to set, is setting itself up against Christ as Lord. And so there are, there are other sources that all have their agendas, too. One of the, I think this is true, you can research it yourself, please do be a free thinker, but the stat I've, I've heard is that 92% of the media that is out there in our world, in, our, in the U.S. today, is controlled by about six different companies. And it's very interesting, if you look at this, there's a high, there's, you can see the, the tree of like who controls these. And 92%, and the people who own those companies, no, they're not, none of them believe in God. They all, none of them believe in biblical values. All of them are against biblical values. You think maybe that might influence the way truth is being portrayed and what is being consumed. And so we gotta, we got to look at what are the sources, what do they believe, and not be naive about like, oh, well, it's just, it's just objective or just it's, it's neutral. There is neutra- no neutrality. It's either wind up with God and his truth or it's against it. And so we gotta, we got to question our sources. We've got we to realize that the bigger or the more entrenched something is, the greater the danger of, us, of it leading us astray. And in our world, I mean, this is very real. It's not only big media, but big government, big pharma, big business, medicine. We go on, like, there are very big establishments in all these areas. And everything I just mentioned, their value system, even you think medicine, like, that should be, like, we should trust them, right? Well, the American Medical Association endorses the taking of unborn lives. Let's think about that. I mean, that, that is a very real position about medical care that is totally contrary to what God says is caring for us. And so we got to, like, decipher, just because someone is big, it's not necessarily trustworthy. It's probably, it's more dangerous. We got to listen out. So we could go on and on and on. Um, fact checkers are a joke. Just, just throw that out there, too. Well, it can be. I, you got to check the fact checkers, okay? Like, there are people who pay the fact checkers, and they have agendas, too. And so it takes a lot of discernment, and it's so dang difficult to wade through what's out there. But we got to question our, our sources. Three, how do we live as free thinkers? Well, this is what the Bereans did so well. Study the scriptures and weigh everything by scripture. In this craziness of what's true, what's not, what can I trust? And I want to say this, it's, there's all sorts of propaganda on the liberal side and the conservative side. I've had stuff sent to me in the past year, so many things on both of those camps where there were just blatant lies and distortions in the, the facts that were, that were presented. And so we got to weigh everything by the word of God. 
2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Man, Jesus and the Bible are such a gift to have an absolute objective source of truth. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't challenges in interpreting the Bible in some, some places and applying it. And, but this is such a gift that we have truth that we can build our lives upon. And it'd probably be a good idea for anybody, any of us, to be like, you know, I'm not going to have an opinion on anything until I've like, read through the Bible a couple times. I'm just going like, to step back from all my opinions and just say, okay, this is truth. Let me really, like, God, teach me what your word says about the world and reality and reframe my mind. And then, okay, now I can start to make assessments as I'm, as I'm learning God's word. We have, for anybody, but especially if you're just starting in that, you're like, man, the Bible's big. It's kind of big, um, but it's worth it. But we have these books called Kingdom Living One that are a great way to summarize the Bible and get the main story and gist of it to really help us on that, on that path. And then Kingdom Living Two actually continues that process of retraining our minds. So great, get those. Start there. Study God's word, and then check everything by that. Um, next way to be a free thinker, I really love this, is listen to different viewpoints. Listen to different viewpoints, especially from people who you want to be like, but they see things differently than you. Okay? You can learn from anybody. I love having conversations with people who think completely different than me. It's actually kind of like a game for me. I like, I usually, sometimes I get mad and upset, but I, I think it, you can learn from anybody. But when you see someone who's got a life, Jesus said that by your fruit, by their fruit, you'll know them. When you see someone, you see the fruit of their life, and it's working, and there's life, and relationships, and, oh, it's, that's the kind of life I'd want to have. But they have differences of opinions or perspectives than you on different things. That's a great person to talk to and to see what they think about those things. Proverbs 18, 17 says, the, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Isn't that so true? Like you talk to one person or you read one article, see one meme, and it's like, oh, yeah, clearly this is what's right. And then you read another one, and you're like, oh, clearly that was all bogus. <laughs> this is the end. I, I never would have like, thought about this, though. It takes like listening to different viewpoints and weighing them to, to, to come to, to truth. Proverbs also says that in a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. So it's valuable to hear from different people and perspectives and put it all together to try to, to, to think freely. Um, Listen to different viewpoints. It's so easy. You, know, you think like, again, the Jews. They, they were slow. And this is not just the Jews, but throughout the history of the church, there's been this trend that there's a, there's a move of God, and there's a group of people, say, in the, the Reformation, who really had some great insights about God and salvation and following him and the word of God. And then the next move that comes along that God's spirit is in, like the Anabaptists, that said, hey, you know, you need to, Get baptized after you believe. Well, the biggest persecutors of that movement were the movement before. You see that all throughout. You see the Presbyterians persecuting the Methodists. You see the Pentecostals persecuting the Charismatics. There's this 
tendency to like, well, I think I got it figured out, and then we miss what God is doing in other people and other movements that are coming next. And so it's just so important to be open to what God is doing that's different than what we previously currently understand. Um, then the last thing I want to say about, man, how do we think freely? It's be courageous, not coerced. Be courageous, not coerced. A lot of times we, we don't know or live what's true because we can't figure it out. A lot, a lot of times we know what's true, but it's the courage to live that way that makes it difficult. In the story of Adam and Eve, when, they're, when they were seduced, when they gave in to the serpent's temptation, Paul, writing about them, says, Eve was deceived, but Adam wasn't. Interesting. They both sinned. They both disobeyed. They both went off on their own. Eve was tricked. But Adam wasn't tricked. He knew what he was doing was wrong. Why did he do it? I think a lot of it was cowardice. It was like, oh, man, I, he wants to do it. This serpent, like he's making a pretty good case for it. Oh, I, I'll just go along too. And so often, I, I man, I know I do that. It's like, I don't really believe this is right, but everyone around me and powers that be, like that's what's going on. So I'm just going gonna, gonna to go along with it too. And it's just so important that we be people of courage. God has called us. We're made to be people of courage, who find what's true, and then we're willing to, to stand for it, no matter what that costs. If we're not, just like the, the Bereans and the believers in Thessalonica, if, we're not, if there's not a sacrifice and conflict involved in what we believe, then it's not the truth. If it's truth, then there's always a crossing of the things around us that we have to be willing to go with. Belief in Jesus always challenges the authorities, but it turns the world upside down, just like it did in those stories. And it turns our lives upside down. And, you know, it's just really so much, it's really free to live free. I know that's, that's crazy, but it's just really free to live this way. So, man, I just want to encourage us. I feel like there's a lot in here to process. Um, I think it's one of the most important aspects, skills that we need as disciples today is to, to learn how to think freely according to Jesus and his word. And so I, it's, a, it's a skill to practice. One, one practical way I would encourage you this week is to do the thing about talking to someone with a different viewpoint than you, who you respect. Even this week, that's my homework for you, is find someone who you know thinks differently than you about something, and they're the kind of person you want to be like, and have a conversation with them about it and see what you can learn about that as, as you do that. So, yeah, there we go. Um, actually, we're got, uh, we're gonna, Sammy is getting baptized here after the service today, yeah. And we're gonna have a chance here for her to just share her testimony, what God's been doing in her life, and how she's lining up her life with the truth and what that's looked like, you guys are working in her life. So let's, let's give Sammy a hand and hear from her. So hi everyone, I'm Sammy LeBlanc. Um, 
So I'm just gonna share with you a little bit of my story. Um, so until I got to college, I was always very passive about my faith. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, but I never really had a personal relationship with the Lord. I knew in my mind what it meant to be saved and redeemed, but I didn't really feel it in my heart, and that made me really anxious. Um, so God appeared in my life through connections that I made with friends and different campus ministries, and the accumulation of all these small moments in my life, um, they were significant, and that was the way that the Lord finally reached me and helped me conclusively choose to live for him. And so now I've reached a place where I can feel in my core that my faith has been grounded and that I've been rescued by Jesus Christ, the rock on which I will build my life. Um, I look forward to growing even further in faithfulness and living each day in a way that will glorify him. That was beautifully said. Thank you, Sammy. And we're going to do that right after church. Is that right? Downstairs at the swimming pool. So um, would you all just uh, pray with me before we leave this morning? Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, um, we all have such a desire to be free, to truly be free, and yet so many times when we think we're getting free, we're actually being, being pushed or drawn into captivity. And so, Father, I thank you for this message this morning, and I thank you that freedom is your plan for man, but freedom in truth. And so, God, as we do go out this week and listen to people that are different, Lord, may we always, even in our own minds, take whatever we're thinking and always compare it with your word so that um, in our freedom we can truly have the truth of who you have designed us to be and the truth of the path that you have for us. Lord, we ask that you would bless our mustard seeds of faith this week as we open our mouths and speak to our families and friends and coworkers as we give our tithes or offerings, as we give to the poor or Just as we give our life in faith to you, we ask that you would take those seeds and you would nourish them, Lord, that they would be of you and we would do it in faith. We thank you for this community of believers and we pray, Lord, that we would be globally minded and remember all of those, Lord, that are hurting. And uh, we love that you are a good father with a good plan. We love you. We praise you. We honor you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for being who you are and showing up.
And that's a mustard seed of faith also, just to show up. So God bless you this week. Remember your assignment. Giving me your identity, you're clothing me in royalty. I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you.